Welcome to The Bargain Basement Butterflies Presents Beyond the Doorway. I'm your host, Buzzley, and on this podcast, I interview friends of mine about their personal paranormal stories. Then I take clips of those interviews and I put them to music. Don't you dare to off the light. There's something out in the night. In through open windows and down dark hallways. There's something just beyond the doorway. There's something just beyond the doorway. Welcome back to Beyond the Doorway, presented by the Bargain Basement Butterflies. This is Episode 2, Ghosts in the Theater, with Tim Harkle Road. I first met Tim through some mutual friends. He was playing in a band called Shegan. Now, this band is important for two reasons. First, it's where I met Tim. Second, because it's the band I now play in. So here's a quick plug. In Shegan, we play traditional Irish music. We're a band out of the Tri-Cities area. In East Tennessee. There's a Sheegan album out there called The Lone Shannon Call. It was before I joined the band, but it's a great album. I highly recommend it. Tim is a multi-talented individual. He is a comedian and has worked on cruise ships. He plays many instruments, including alien pipes, whistle, banjo, barone, and he also sings. Tim is also a magician and a ventriloquist, and he has authored three books, The Complete Haunted House Book, Haunted House Sketchbook, Make Your House Everything You've Ever Haunted. Tim most recently is the writer and the lead actor in the Hatfield and McCoy Dinner Show in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. If you're ever in the area, I highly recommend it. It's a great show. I've seen it three times. They also do a Christmas program that's a little bit different than the normal show, and they add fun Christmas things in there. So I would recommend seeing both shows. Tim does most of the talking here. He tells many interesting stories. So let's get right into this week's episode. Please welcome Tim Harkleroad. Okay, so when I sent you a text, you said you had some um, theater stories. Yeah, well, this theater that I'm working in right now, it's, I'm not sure exactly how old it is. It's not like hundreds of years old nothing in pigeon forge is hundreds of years old but it was a it was a different company before i started it was the glasgow music theater and then david purchased it had black bear jamboree there in the show i don't know how long black bear ran maybe seven or eight years and then we started 11 years ago with hatfield mccoy when i first started uh, Eddie Culp was our custodian, and Eddie and his uh, wife Carol both worked at the theater. Carol was our wardrobe mistress, and Eddie was the last person you would suspect was into interested in the paranormal. But he used to record stuff at the theater. He used to tell me when things would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to tell me, well, he told me he had seen Civil War soldiers in the back parking lot before. Uh, he had things happen in the theater, like 
uh, he would, he had, we called his, he had one of these vacuum cleaners. He pulled along on a wheel. We called it uh, R2-D2. <laughs> and so he's going around vacuuming with R2 and he goes into the Bev station and something, and he's there by himself. It's like, I don't know what time at night. And something starts pulling uh, the extension cord or the, the cord and it's moving back out and he pulls it back in and something pulls it back out. He goes back and forth and he finally just quits vacuuming and <laughs> and uh, goes home eddie passed away sadly about four or five years ago everybody loved eddie eddie was hardest working guy down there he was always there backstage and everything was always just spotless so we miss eddie but um i don't know if i've had experiences at the theater back when eddie was still there a lot of people have had experiences at the theater I, my first experience, I was walking past Carol's sewing room, wardrobe room, and her little dog, Leilani, uh, was uh, sitting on the chair, and Carol wasn't in there, and as I walked by, I hear someone say, a girl's voice, say hi, and I look over, and there's Leilani, I know she didn't say it, at least I don't think she was capable of, of speech, most dogs aren't, uh, unless it's some weird convoluted video you see on <laughs> on, on YouTube. And Dr. So I got spoken to about that same time. One of the girls in the show, uh, not too long, a few days after that comes running over to my dressing room. She said, um, I need you. I need you to come down my dressing room. I said, what? I said, I need you to come down my dressing room. I said, okay. So I go down there. I said, what? She said, I saw a girl um, go around that corner. I said, there's like a, there's the main dressing room. And then there's a, a, a bathroom off of it. And there's a little area. And I said, did you check after? She said, yeah, because I thought it, she thought it was one of the other girls. Right. Except the girl she saw had long black hair. And at the time, that girl that was talking to me was the only one with long black hair. She was quite shaking and then not too long after that had someone else see a girl with long black hair that was about five six years ago now all along the way more things like that happened and we actually did a ghost hunt one night at the theater about three in the morning this was i guess five six years ago um and carol and eddie were down there uh, Stephen Knowles, a ventriloquist friend of mine that worked at the Comedy Barn, was down there. Lexi Jones and a couple of, there's about five or six of us all together. They saw something uh, during this up in the upper row of seats in the theater, like a shadow figure dart across. Mm -hmm. So they all go running up there. I didn't really have any experiences that night, but... Uh, we did set up a digital recorder backstage next to the old truck. Now, we have a truck in the show. It doesn't actually run. They push it on the stage, but it's an old, I don't know what model, Model A or something. I mean, it's its probably over 100 years old, I guess. I don't know. When these things were built. <laughs> it was built back in 1717 when we first. Um, so 
after we were reviewing the, the the evidence, we got a we got an EVP, and it was pretty specific. Uh, someone leaned in and said, "Carol," and Carol was our wardrobe Mister said his wife. And I said, "Who could this be?" Nate told me the story about Tony. Tony was the previous custodian. He worked there with Eddie, but they worked together at some point. And Tony had a heart attack there in the theater. And for most cases, he died at the theater. They said they revived him on the way to the hospital, but he died before they got there. Either way, uh, and I never met Tony. It was back when Black Bear was there. And uh, Tony, we were told, was a big flirt. People would be touched or tapped. One of the one of the more bizarre ones. Uh, one girl was she was a server, and she was in the photo lab. There was a phone in the photo lab, and she had called her boyfriend. Her, she had a very jealous boyfriend, evidently. So while she's talking to him, she feels something like a breath on her ear and her boyfriend said who's that she said who's what said who's that talking to you she said nobody's talking to me i said no i can hear a guy whispering she said nobody's whispering he said i can hear him plain as day who are you in there with and they got in a big argument over the phone um they believed it was Tony whispering in her ear. Now, she couldn't hear it, but the boyfriend could over the phone. Um, so we always had at least the belief that there's at least two different entities at the theater. Uh, I believe the little girl is there. I don't know. I call her a little girl. She's spoken to me several times since. Uh, matter of fact, about eight nine months ago getting ready to leave and uh, everybody was you know the servers were out cleaning up the dining room after everything was over we have a beverage station matter of fact there's the same beverage station where uh, eddie's uh, vacuum cleaner incident happened so i go on the beverage station the beverage station is a, a sort of a, a long oddly shaped room which has an entrance into the theater right from one of the exits fire exits and then there's also an entrance, a door that goes to a little tunnel that leads backstage. That little tunnel, that can be creepy sometimes. <laughs> it's just a long corridor with one, one end goes onto stage practically. There's a little space. Then the other uh, goes, takes a left and goes back backstage. And then there's a door that goes into that Bev station. So I go into the Bev station through the tunnel door. And the lights are off. So I turned the lights on and Shana, uh, one of my friends, one of the servers is standing there getting hot water into a pitcher to clean the floor. I said, what are you doing in the dark? She said, oh, I just was in a hurry. Didn't have time to turn the light on. I knew where it was. Uh, the, the coffee machine where she getting the hot water was close to the other door so she could at least see. So she finishes. I go in there and I get some water. I go out the same exit Shana went, and I got out there. I had left the light on. I went back. I turned the light off, and I hear 
get it. Um, I heard a girl's voice say, get it. Very, very succinctly, very, uh, very clear. And I stopped for a minute and I stepped out into the light. And I looked over and Shana now had gone, she was back in the theater, uh, down in the pit cleaning. I walked over and I called at her talked to her i said did you just say something over here she said no i was talking to somebody else over there but she wasn't anywhere near the door and uh the area was was empty uh there's some other servers in the dining room but most of the lights were off and it was quiet about that same time jordan our production manager i told him about this he said that was about two days around the time he went into the server area. They have a break room. He said, there's a girl sitting in there on the bench with her head down with long, dark hair. He said, I didn't recognize her. And he spoke to her. So I'm like, hey, are you okay? I don't know if she just faded away or if he looked away for a second and she was gone. I think he said, looked away for a second. She was going to see if anybody else was back there. It was after hours. Uh, and he described her with long black hair, like other, the other girls had described. I have not seen this girl with long black hair, but I have seen two, on two other instances, three other instances, really, something else that might be Tony. As much as Eddie spent so much time down there, it might be Eddie. Uh, Eddie has made himself known to uh, his daughter. What I have seen at the theater, I came along out of that tunnel into the backstage area. And right there is the McCoy cabin. And then there's a Hatfield cabin. They push off stage and they butt up right up against each other. It's up against a big rolling garage door. As I came around, I've seen this twice. There's some, someone in the door of the cabin. The door's open. And I only see this much, like a shoulder and a leg with a white T-shirt. First time, it looked like they were just walking in. And I thought it, I couldn't think who it was. I thought it was Randy at first. And I went around the corner and I looked. And the, the backs of those cabins are, are wide open. There's stairs in them. Okay. And there was nobody there. There's nobody in that backstage area. And Randy walked by. Randy was uh, is or Paul Paul Hatfield in the show. I said, "Did you see anyone dart into this the backstage hallway, different hallway?" He said, "No." He said, "What's the matter?" He he could tell I was agitated or something. I said, "Well, I just saw somebody standing in that cabin. I come around here and they're gone." He said, I don't know. He said, I didn't see anybody. Not too long after that, I saw about the same thing. Uh, white t-shirt again. And before in our green room, which is backstage, it's like a lounge where we eat or we relax or watch TV or whatever. Again, in about the same area and out of the corner of my eye, there was someone standing in the green room doorway 
wearing an orange t-shirt. Now they were in full view, but I just, I walked past one doorway and across the hall is the doorway to the dream room. And I catch it out of the corner of my eye. When I stepped back and looked around, there was nothing there, no one there. I walked through the hallway into the green room, looked all around and nothing. I could see nothing. During COVID, the management was staying at the theater at night and they would say, hey, we're going to have to take turns staying at night down at the theater. And she said she did that once. And then she heard some things and she wouldn't go into detail. Um, and uh, she's uh, she's Russian, by the way. And uh, she, she's pretty matter of fact about stuff. She doesn't embellish. And uh, she's funny. She said, uh, yeah, after about hour and a half, she said, I called him. I said, no, I'm not staying. Sorry. And <laughs> she left and she wouldn't go back and stay at night. Right. So, uh, yeah, I believe uh, we have, uh, uh, and it's nothing evil or nothing malicious or dangerous. And I guess we all could be hallucinating <laughs> or imagining it, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think so. I got into ghosts in college. Okay. I've always loved, I've always loved ghosts. I've always loved haunting. I went to, I went to school at ETSU, started at UT, but moved down to ETSU or up to ETSU. My first year up there, I, someone said, you need to go talk to Dr. Acuff, Nancy Acuff. She was in the child psychology department, I believe, child development. She was a wonderful lady. I, you know, I haven't talked to Nancy in years. I don't know if, I hope she's still, still with it. I don't know. She would probably be well in her eighties. I need to check on Nancy. Um, this will remind me to check on Nancy. If you're <laughs> listening, give me a call. Little group that Nancy had. We did a ghost hunt. Now there was a psychic in Bristol and uh, her name was Lena Jones. And Lena was one of the most gifted psychics I'd ever met. Lena was a simple little country woman, lived in a just a small little house in Bristol by herself. And she was probably in her 80s. She would never ask you for money. It was kind of understood. You'd just give her like 20 bucks as you're leaving and you could take her a ham or... Oh, or yeah or whatever you do yeah stuff like that first time i went to lena she used to do things to she would first do a little reading look uh i guess you call it cold reading cold reading is actually a technique in in magic uh where you end up getting people to feed you information so i knew this so i was very I was a little skeptical first time I went to Lena. And I f- soon found out that she was uh, legit and on the, on the level. Um, so she would do a little preliminary reading. She would have you just shuffle some cards, just get your hands on the cards and then hand them to her. And she would look through them and she'd tell you things. So uh-huh. in 1982, I was working at the World's Fair in Knoxville, and uh, I worked for the Little Debbie 
Corporation. I was a, one of the little Debbie magicians. <laughs> and they were a corporate sponsor. We go around doing magic. We had this uh, red and yellow outfit on uh, with diamonds that looked like uh, diamonds from cards and stuff and the little Debbie emblem. So I go to see Lena about this time. And I had also been out. Uh, as you know, I, I do haunted attractions. I had my own haunted house in, in uh, the Bristol area, Johnson City, uh, Crone House, uh, Halloween attractions. Okay. And I uh, have written several books, matter of fact, on building and operating Halloween attractions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I had been up to the train station in Bristol helping the JCs uh, build a haunted house. The reason I'm giving you this previous info she goes through the cards she goes now i haven't told her anything she said i see you standing on a ladder well i had been on a ladder the day before painting at the haunted house i don't think i'd been on a ladder within years before that she goes a little further she said i see you standing waving a sword well it took me a second, but then I had been performing at the uh, uh, Oak Tree Theater at the World's Fair, and part of my stand-up magic bit was a trick called Sword Through the Neck. You put this stock around the girl's neck, stick a sword through it. Mm-hmm. So that's me holding a sword. And she, then she goes on a little bit, and she says, I see you leading a team of horses. Now, that's that's pretty random. Right. And in the parade at the World's Fair every day, I, I always went right in front of the Clydesdales. And I love those Clydesdales. They're beautiful animals. So mm-hmm. she, was, she was batting a thousand. Anyway, so Lena also used to go with us on some ghost hunts. One of them was the Cooper Hall, where I caught an EVP. She told us a lot of the story about Alice that coincided or collaborated with what we've been told already. Again, this is before the internet. So, you know, it wasn't like she's looking up stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even think she had a television. So, uh, at one point that we're going through, you could hear Dr. Echo say, someone help Miss Lena down the steps. And somewhere on a laptop, I still have this. I'll, I'll see if I can send it to you. Okay, that'd be cool. It's a woman's voice going, ah! Oh. Nobody says a word. No, I mean, we didn't hear it. But it came out on the, on the tape as we were... Um, and you know... If, Anyone, there's like 10 or 12 of us, but we're all, if anyone had done that, we'd all look at them and say, shut up. You heard <laughs> you know? So my job was always to make sure there wasn't trickery going on. Yeah. And I, I went through and I checked the house pretty thoroughly. I, I had taken, I was carrying a tape recorder and as I got to the end of a side, I flipped it over as I did. We heard a wail, a like a chorus of a bunch of different voices. And 
that we all looked at each other. Nancy looked at me, I looked at her. And I was trying to get tape in. You know, it's like okay. like trying to get your car started when, <laughs> when <laughs> Bigfoot's coming toward your car. Um, by the time we got back in, it was over. Uh, but um, that was actually hearing it in person, not just picking up an EVP, was remarkable. And then I really gave the house a once over look for speakers or speaker wire or whatever. And these were very simple people. And not too far from that place, we had another case where we were looking through the house. And I was walking downstairs. This is one of the first, well, probably the only physical manifestation I've experienced when I was ghost hunting. So I was ghost hunting when ghost hunting wasn't cool. Before ghost hunting was good. Yeah, I mean, back when I was in college, you know, when dinosaurs ruled the earth. We're going down a flight of steps. And uh, I felt something just walk right through me. My blood ran cold. My muscles, my knees went weak. And, you know, I was like 20 or 21 at the time. So. It wasn't a, uh, I wasn't in bad health or anything. It wasn't a physiological thing. Uh, some just walked through me. I got a picture of an old woman in my head. Well, that was, come to find out, that was what they had seen was an old woman in the basement. And they had, they kept finding things in this chest, this chest of drawers downstairs. We went down to check it and there were no knobs on it. And she said, the, the lady owned the place, she said, I just opened this yesterday. And she said, I couldn't have taken the knobs off of it. And we got it open and the knobs were taken off and put inside the drawer. Hmm. Really hot. Yeah. So, yeah, we, uh, we had some really, and we took Lena on that one as well. It was, those were fun investigations back in those days. Uh, you recall my story about the theater first story, Eddie and Carol Culp. Um, their house was haunted. That's I think that was why Eddie had such a keen interest in that. Okay. Uh, I meant to tell you this story real quick. We did a ghost hunt over at their house. And the the team that was over there, we kind of tagged along with the actual team that uh, did a lot of ghost hunting. But I remember Lexi and I were, were doing a, a lights out session in the uh, living room. My phone camera recording. She's got hers recording. And occasionally she shoots a, a photo with a flash. And we're, we have a digital recorder going. And twice I got a flame, what I call a flame orb. It looked like like you took a a piece of uh, know, tissue paper, lit it on fire, and just dropped it. Oh wow! And it just it just sort of wafted, but they came across orangeish red, 
but I always, I always go back to the thing with that. And I'm huge into Bigfoot. I always go back to that. If only one, if out of all the blurry videos and shaky videos and blurry pictures and this and that, if only one of them out of the thousands of them that are out there, if only one is real, that means they exist. And I've always had an opinion about ghosts as a Christian. I have some doubts about, I don't know doubts really, but I think there's a difference between a ghost and a spirit. I believe ghosts are more a, uh, a natural atmospheric phenomenon okay. than an actual spirit, someone's spirit. Uh, I kind of came up with an my own way of working it out years ago. There was a house over in Blunkville. The story was the haunting involved uh, they see a woman walk down the steps from the upstairs, walking to the kitchen. You could hear her coming down the creaky steps, go to the kitchen, they just smell coffee bean uh, ground. Well, over the years, it started to fade, and she was a little more transparent until you couldn't see her at all, but you could hear her come down in steps and walk to the kitchen, coffee being ground. You'd smell it. But then it got to where all they did was smell coffee. Wow. My idea is that a lot of hauntings are just energy. We all are made up of energy. Everything's made up of energy. And you can't destroy energy. It just changes form. So let's say a person walks down the steps every single day and runs their hand along the banister. They deposit a little bit of that that energy, I believe, and your house becomes imbued with energy. Okay. And then once you're gone, maybe that energy is still in that house. It's not you. And then something causes that energy to coalesce into something visible. Maybe it's a psychic that can only see this energy. Or maybe it's atmospheric. You hear the old stories, uh, it's a dark, stormy night. It's like having a room full of natural gas. Without the additive, you can smell it. You can't see it. You can't feel it. But if somebody lights a match or a spark, you see a visual display. So I, I think a lot of hauntings are residual hauntings uh, where energy's just built up over the years and something causes it to like ball lightning, <laughs> you yeah. know, just uh, cause it to become visible or actually move something. I don't know. I would like to think that there aren't spirits trapped here on earth. Uh, Lena, Lena Jones had an interesting take on it. She said she thought life and time were like a photograph album. The lines, the grooves on a record, and you're in the groove with the needle. That's current. Okay. The past is just slightly over here. And then the future is just slightly over here. And that at times, maybe something skips. Right. Or maybe somebody can see over into the old groove or over into the next groove. 
she was she was a lovely lady i i always loved being around Lena. she was uh fun and she all lost honey she told stories about when she was young when she she was taught to shun her gift and her parents taught her that it was uh evil it was Satan. and uh, she went to a family graveyard one time and she was so overcome with these entities gravitating toward her that she passed out oh wow and they say you know going back to the energy thing you know when you're Batteries drain on your camera, your batteries drain on your, your recording equipment, the feeling of cold, uh, cold spots, or when, when something walked through me, I felt like all my energy was drained. I think they, to be able to manifest, pull the energy from around them. Mm-hmm. And this, that's nothing that I've come up with. That's a pretty accepted terminology i guess uh, right. drawing that energy from around you but i think that's probably uh, closer to what we have uh i i don't give up on the idea that these are spirits trying to communicate i think that's very possible too i mean some stuff is just beyond coincidence right i don't have to have proof it's like with bigfoot i don't have to have proof i have to believe they exist it's like my belief in god I don't have to have proof God exists. I believe he exists. And I have faith that he exists. The Cherokee thought it was better to have faith something exists than proof. So uh, I, I kind of follow that. But I'd love to see Bigfoot, see right. a Bigfoot, uh, or a bunch of them. Uh, I'd love to see something I could say, yep, yeah, <laughs> that's a dang ghost. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. It'd be, it's been so good talking to you. Yeah, it has been. I appreciate you doing this. I, I enjoyed it. I love, you know, I love talking to especially about a subject like this. It's, uh, it's fun and fascinating. If you like what you have heard so far today, please take the time to rate and review the show. For more music from the Bargain Basement Butterflies, please visit Bandcamp or your favorite digital media store. If you are interested in merch, visit TeePublic and search for The Bargain Basement Butterflies. Now let's talk about this week's song. Thank you, Tim, so much for taking the time to tell your stories. I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed catching up with you. For this track, I thought it would be interesting to do kind of just like a spooky haunted house type of feel. So please enjoy this week's song, Ghosts in the Theater. the 
evidence. We got a we got an EVP. And then there's also an entrance, a door that goes to a little tunnel that leads backstage. That little tunnel, that can be creepy sometimes. It's just a long corridor with one, one end goes onto stage, practically. Then the other goes, takes a left and goes back backstage. I came along out of that tunnel into the backstage area. As I came around, I've seen this twice. There's some someone in the door of the cabin. There's a difference between a ghost and a spirit. I believe ghosts are more a natural atmospheric phenomenon than an actual spirit, someone's spirit. We all are made up of energy. Everything's made up of energy. And you can't destroy energy, it just changes form. A lot of hauntings are residual hauntings. I would like to think that there aren't spirits trapped here on Earth. Lena Jones had an interesting take on She said she thought life in time were like a photograph album. The lines, the grooves on a record, and you're in the groove with the meter. That's true. Past is just slightly over to here. And then the future is just slightly over here. And that, at times, maybe some skips. Maybe somebody can see over into the old groove or over into the next groove. Thank you for fluttering into this week's episode of Beyond the Doorway. Thank you to today's guest for taking the time to be a part of this project. And thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen. See you next time. Have a good week.